right, hello everybody. We are back for episode two of the Sexy Scary Book Club podcast. Um, I'm Lisa. I'm Jessica. <laughs> and we lied to you at the end of the last episode. <laughs> we liars. said we weren't going to make this a fever podcast. Um, and we're not. But after listening to some pretty solid advice from Jessica's husband, friend, <laughs> friend of the podcast, Jason, um, he thought it would be a good idea to do a series, a season. Um, so we talked about that. And, and I agree because, look, as you guys know, if you listen to the first episode, there are large swaths of things that we completely failed to talk about at all. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, So obviously there's a lot more to say about this series. Uh, And additionally, pretty much every paranormal romance is a series, at least a trilogy, if not um, a larger, you know, series. So I think it would be better to do the books justice uh, to talk about all of them, or at least at at the level we feel that they need to be talked about. Um, Right. Yeah. Like, we need to mention the main reason why Mac was in Ireland. Yeah. Which <laughs> we neglected to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so this episode, we are covering book two, which is Blood Fever. Mm-hmm. It was released uh, October 16th of 2007. Uh, and it is book two in an 11 book 11 series. 11 book series. 11 book series. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I looked some stuff up this time. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, where did we leave off? On the rooftop, On right? On the rooftop. <laughs> yeah. So, so the reason I, I couldn't think of the end of book one was because we didn't talk about the shisa do or how do you say it shisardu shisardu there is a glossary that can tell us how to say all these things but who actually ever looks at that <laughs> I, gl- I glanced at it glanced. uh at the I end of the book definitely no it's spelled s-i-n-s-a-r so it sounds it looks like it should be sinsar, sinsar. but it is not yes. i know it is she in the beginning at least yeah i think it's like shisardu yeah <laughs> That's the French version, apparently. <laughs> right. So, what is what is the 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 shisa do? That she said the ever burning question. But yeah, it is what brought Mac to Ireland because Alina had left her a voicemail saying, "We have to find the shisa do. I know where it is." And so that's what leads Mac to Ireland and to Barons um, mm-hmm. in search of the shisa do because Barons is aware of what it is to some extent right and so you know that's backtracking a little but well, barons <laughs> tells her yeah barons tells her it's a book yeah just it's a, a book. dark book yeah a dark book because that's the other thing we didn't talk about we didn't talk about oops yes objects of power yeah objects yeah. of power and um god mac can sense them Yes. She gets violently ill when they are near. And is that a are all uh she seers able to, to sense those, or is that another special power that Mac has? I don't know. 
I think all of them are. I don't know either. Yeah, I forget. I do too. Or maybe she doesn't know. Maybe we none I of us know. I don't know if we are privy to that yet. Because um, the thing that does happen in Blood Fever is she kind of begins to understand that there are many more of what she is. Um, and right. There's a bit of a sisterhood. Oh, I just gave away something else, didn't I? <laughs> well, Sister. that's okay. Again, I assume if, if people are listening, they likely have read at least the majority of the series if not the whole thing yeah and well um, I think that does all come out in this book so I'm not not right anything. yeah that's true <laughs> that's true yeah so so we we leave off with Mac she is recovering from her injuries from her run-in with the Lord Master and the vampire who I guess is Malouche Malouche which I don't like I think it needs to be fancier well, we I can like call him whatever we Malouche. want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I would um, call Malouche, I get it makes sense. He gets kind of like gushy in this <laughs> one. So. Yeah, that's Lushy true. Gushy, I guess. <laughs> right there, you go. Good old Lushy Gushy. Yeah, um, that's his name. And Barons is painting her nails, which we did talk at some length about in the last episode because she's yes. all banged up and can't can't do it herself. Um, and then all of a sudden, she becomes violently ill and passes out. Aha, uh-huh, yes. That is how yeah. that went. And that's kind of how, how that ends. Yeah. Um, which is funny because that's kind of how this book ends, too. <laughs> I did notice some definite, like, there's a formula. <laughs> yeah. So these two yeah. books are very similar. And you learn new things, but um, the general gist is very similar. So. Right. I feel like because... The book, which I'm just going to call it the book. I'm going to shy away from potential mispronunciation. Oh, I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to okay, pronounce good. it Embrace so many ways. It. Embrace it. Um, I call it the Shisa do normally she's a, she's when I'm. Shisa do. That yeah. sounds good too. What was I saying? I don't know. I think it is Shisa do. Anyway. Anyways. Um, she She talks about that, but then, you know other things that are happening in the book kind of I don't think that the book is at the forefront of the story no at least not right now so she has to do something to kind of put it back on that trajectory at the end of the book right so yeah so the books start and end with the the book book making (laughs) an appearance yeah um so yeah so she's she's passed out. So we come back, and Barons is trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to track the book if she can't stay Same. conscious when it's around. Exactly, because he can't sense it. And then a lot. And another thing we didn't really talk about in the last book was, you know, part of her trying to find the book is Baron's kind of taking her to these different places where he thinks that it might be, or if not the book, another OOP might be right. to see if she can sense these objects of power. Yeah. Um, Which were created by the Seelie and the Unseelie. So they're fake right. artifacts pretty much. Yeah. So I, I don't remember them all, but I did write down a few. So we've okay. got, so we've got the Seelie and the Unseelie, and both casts of Fae have their own hallows, which is what they're called, right? 
They're objects of power. It always makes me think of Harry Potter, like Deathly Hallows. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because similar. when we get to the reviews, there are some <laughs> oh, comparisons <okay. laughs> made to the Harry Potter series that I didn't really spend any time thinking about. So in my mind, I was like, I don't get that at all. But no, oh, here I am. I get yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Proven me wrong already. Um, so for the for the light objects of power, the light, the Seelie objects, we've got the spear. Yeah. Which Mac has because that was one of the OOPs that she and Barons found in book one and Barons gifted it to her. They stole from O'Banion, which I don't know if we talked about O'Banion either. We didn't talk about O'Banion. The gangster who was he not He came dead. and went. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and so Mac has that and that is one of the only objects that exist that will allow her to kill the Fae. And then there's also the sword, which we are also introduced to in this book, along with another one of the uh, major players of the series, Danny, who is another she-seer. And we did meet her in book one, didn't we? Did we? I don't know we if we talked did. About, okay, maybe we no, did, but we at um, least her, talked about yeah, her. Yeah, her and Mac meet in this book. Mac is um, by a fountain, and she's drawing a fae that she can see. And Danny right. can see what she's drawing. And Danny's like, what the feck? Close that book. Like, you're going to yeah. get us killed. Right. And so she meets Danny, and Danny tells her, doesn't show her because she doesn't have the sword, but she tells her that the she seers that she lives with or belongs to have the sword, um, which is another way that they can kill Faye. And we also learn. That much like Mac, who I know, Jessica, you touched on the fact that she's a null, but mm-hmm. we kind of mentioned it in passing. So explain what, what that is. So oh, a null that. means that when she touches the Fae, they are momentarily frozen. And depending on how powerful they are, the freeze could be millisecond or it can be much longer. So typically she's battling like these rhino boys and these Fae that are a little lower cast, not quite as strong. So she can freeze them. And then she can stab them and kill them. So it's a great advantage. And it's very rare. Right. And so so we learn basically in this book that you can be a she-seer, but you can also be a she-seer and have some sort of extra, extra. power along with that. Yeah. Which is also uh, something that we see a lot in these paranormal books. Like, you know, everyone is this one thing, but then they got a little extra juice in a certain area. Like, Yeah. I think like, like it's not special enough for them to just be a she seer but yeah. in order to make the main character Stand something out. yes <laughs> some some it's a real hero's journey thing right though mm-hmm. you know like they've got they are the one they exist and they are the only ones that can stop this fateful thing from happening because of this extra superpower that they have um although i i will say probably getting off topic, but we don't really have specific topics we're talking about. (laughs) Well, in some series, it's like all on the main character. I do feel like the Fever world has a real like cast of characters and Mm -hmm. they all play like a significant part in battling what's to come, which is essentially, you know, the Fae are coming into this world and there's a war that is brewing and we 
learned a little bit more about that in book one because we talked about her finding the Lord Master's house and how he had the gate open and was releasing uh, all of the unseely into Dublin. Yes. Um. So, okay, so anyways, back to the OOP. So we've got the spear, which Mac has, the sword, which we learn the She-Seers have, um, and then there's also the amulet, which we are introduced to in this book, um, and that is uh, a necklace with an amulet that Barons finds out is being sold at an auction. Yeah. And we learn that this amulet only works for certain people that have the capability to be great. To be epic. To be epic, <laughs> right. I always, That really stood out to me. I'm like, that's so, what? Like, why not? Oddly Just, like, specific. Someone of great potential or someone that, I don't know. Why epic? I mean, can't I we? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is a very specific word. Yeah. Um, but we, we don't get told any names but she she does know of people in history that have had possession of this amulet and have been epic i guess i i guess one thing i will say about yeah i was gonna say one thing about the use of the word epic is that it doesn't uh necessarily mean good or bad true right and that's a big i think that's a theme that goes throughout this whole book like what truly is good and bad what is black and white and what are shades of gray you know Right. It all ties together. Yeah. But, you know, it is interesting because you would think like, oh, because these are light objects of power, light OOPs, that they're good. And then the dark OOPs are bad. But, you know, not necessarily. Um, Like you said, shades of gray. That is a big theme in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a fourth, but I don't, what's the fourth OOP? There's an orb. Oh, right. There are more multiple orbs. Aren't there like four? Yes. And, and those Barons orbs has... work with the amulet to read the Shisadu, yes. I believe. I, I don't know. I don't think we learned that in this book. Sorry. I don't think so either. No, it's... <laughs> but we do learn that Barons has two of the orbs. Yes. Yeah, he mentions that when yeah. they're at the auction. So it's made very clear that Barons has been on this journey for a while. Like, he, he wants this book. Yes, but we're not clear why. why. We're clear that the reason that he gives Michaela is bullshit because he's a book collector and it's a powerful object and so he just wants to have it to have it. I mean, do we know that's bullshit? Well, I mean, we know that Mac thinks it's bullshit. We know that Mac Mm -hmm. thinks it is. She doesn't believe him for one minute that that's why he wants it. Yeah. Um, Okay, and so then we've got the dark... OOPs, which again, I could only think of three, but there are four of both, right? I can't even think the, of them. Are those the things that. Oh, Kirsch they're the silver. The silver. Oh, they're the silvers. Yes. Okay. Which is. Did we learn about those at all in the first book? Um, so we, they are briefly. mirrors. Yeah, they are mirrors, essentially. A, a passage of mirrors that were made in order for people to be able to enter Fae, enter Fairy. Yeah. And back into the, the mortal realm. Yes. Then we've got the book, which we talked about, the Shisa Do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember the Cuff of Cruz. The Cuff of Cruz, right. That's which, one as well. Which oddly... Vlaine has. Vlaine has, because Vlaine offers it to Mac to offer her some type of protection. And she's like, hell no, I don't, I don't trust you. I don't trust parents. I don't trust anyone. Right. And I think there's a fourth one, but I don't remember I what don't it remember is. Either. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I'm sure we'll get to it. We go. I did. Well, no, that's getting ahead, so I'll be quiet. Okay, that is one of my critiques of this book. Series. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the whole series. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, um, so Roof, she saw do. She's passing out. Barons is trying to figure out how the hell are we going to get close to anything if she's always passing out, right? Right. Um. I don't remember what happens next, but I guess let's just start getting into some of the themes. Well, the, of the big book. thing that does happen, um, and I think it's important to mention in the beginning of the book, is that Fiona gets jealous. Fiona, um, mm-hmm. Baron's longtime, what we assume is a lover of some sort. Um, she gets jealous of Mac. She turns out all the goddamn lights and leaves Mac to the shades. Mm-hmm. And so Mac is only saved because Blaine shows up and Blaine's able right. to like destroy the shades for her. So at this point we know that like Fiona's out. Fiona's not around anymore. We don't know what she's up to, but like she's definitely she's pissed off Barons and she's on another side now. And you only do that <laughs> once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless you're Mac. <laughs> if you're Mac you get to piss off Barons all day long and it's fine. And that's right. why we love him. <laughs> right. Um yeah, that's a great scene in the book. I, that was one of the memorable parts of the whole series for me, um, was that she wakes up, it's the middle of the night or the wee hours of morning, and she always sleeps with all the lights on in her room and the whole store, uh, and she makes a big deal about talking about that all the time, you know, about, you know, about it being the last time she's ever able to sleep in the dark. Um, before she learns that she's a, a sea shear. She seer. She sells seashells by the seashore. Um, but the lights are still on in her room. So that's why she's she's confused because mm-hmm. she realizes, well, there's not a power outage because the lights are on in my room. So obviously somebody specifically shut all of the lights off in the store. Yeah, so she's got her flashlights, uh, and she has to. She's holding her own for a little while. It should be noted that you know she clears a lot of shades out of the store by using <laughs> using her light. flashlights and getting to all of the switches to turn them on. Um, but then she gets cornered by a specific shade that she keeps having run-ins with that makes her think that maybe they are a little bit more sentient than Barron's has led her to believe. Um, And she is, I think her flashlights get knocked out of her hand. Yeah. And so she has matches. And so she's lighting matches one by one and throwing them toward the shade to keep him at bay. Which is like such a weird scene. Like you're just sit there like, I don't feel like that little bit of light is going to keep the shade away. <laughs> like, right. strike light, it goes out. Strike light, it goes yeah. Whatever. And she's, <laughs> yeah, right? I know, I, I keep thinking that too. I'm like, how much light are you able to, to get with one match? Right. I think she does still have some of her flashlights she flash that she's angled. in. It's just, just yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so she's running out of matches. Baron's not around. Barons is not around and does Blaine just show up then Blaine yeah shows he just up, shows like, up, in up the outside window the window because he can't get in because Barons got some like 
crazy wards that keep playing out. Yeah. Um, but he is able to help her. Yes, for for a, a deal. He strikes a bargain uh, with yes, her. The he's bargain. not not going to help her just cuz he's being altruistic. No. He's going to help her, but he wants to talk to her. He wants An some hour. time promised of of Michaela, an hour of her time. Whenever not he right wants. now cuz she's busy, but he gets to pick. <laughs> yeah. He gets to pick when when this hour of time happens. Yes. And so that's clears- a big wager to make with a very powerful death by sex fae. Right. <laughs> but, you know, what choice does she have in that moment? She has death by just death by shade, which is no way to go. <laughs> I mean, I certainly know what I would pick of those two options. <laughs> I mean, if you know, if you have to pick. <laughs> yeah, might as well get some pleasure on your way out, right? right? Might as well. Yeah. So... So does he, does she tell Barons about the deal that she struck, though? I don't no. think she does. She just tells him that he helped her. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, Which, and he's really mad about his rug. He's really mad that very she burned his funny visual rug. that he, like, drags the whole rug back with him. Yeah. I know. So Baron's supposed to be this, like, animalistic, clearly not human, like, what the fuck is this guy? Like, that's a big part of this, um, especially this book, like, what the fuck is Baron's, right? Um, mm-hmm. But he's mad about a rug that got He old. likes his things. He likes his things. He likes his things. He likes his cars. He likes his fancy clothes. Yeah. He likes, I think maybe it's just the power, right? He like He wants maybe? people to know that he's powerful. Uh, and that he has things. Or he just wants to appear civilized. I don't know. Why would he care about that, though? I don't know. Who knows? Even though I know more about him, I still he's still a very confusing character. Yeah. And that is another big thing that happens in this book, too. Um, right after that scene where Blaine helps her out, she goes out into the garage with all the fancy cars, right. breaks in, and she can hear a sound below, like, beneath the garage of, like, someone, like, bang, and it sounds like they're in pain. Um, and then there's another um, louder, I don't know, deeper-toned bang that's also going on. So there's this idea that there's something underneath this garage that Barons knows about, and we don't know what the hell it is. Right. But it makes a lot of noise and it's in pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and we get a tour of his extensive car collection, car collection. in the garage. Yeah. Which, I don't know, I think it's strange to me that Mac's so into cars. She got it from her dad. I guess. Who is not her dad. That. That's a big thing right. we didn't talk about. I think that happens. We do, well, we know. We did talk about that did she we? was adopted. Okay. Because I, I thought that yeah. became more like more aware of that in the beginning of this book. But yes, she is adopted. I mean, I don't think that maybe she had gotten confirmation of that okay. from her parents at that point. Um, but, you know, she was told she was adopted in the first book. Um, and so she's believes that I think pretty immediately but yes I think it's book two where she actually is trying to get she asks her her dad and her dad won't provide a a response and so she calls the hospital where she was supposedly born and they've got no record of her birth certificate yeah which you know will prompt a conversation with her father later in in the book about the fact that she was adopted and the fact that it was 
very strange and part of the terms of the adoption was that neither one of those girls was to ever set foot in Ireland. Never. Don't let them right. go. They and let I, and them I go. Yeah. And so, you know, he talks a bit about, you know, that that they feel guilt about letting Alina go, but thought it was silly and she was so excited to have gotten into college there and they just didn't have the heart to tell her she couldn't go, which I'm like, well, she was an adult anyway. So even right. if you would have told her that, she likely would have said, well, that's ridiculous. I don't know. Maybe maybe the whole thing about the adoption would have come out at that point. Um, but in any event, they didn't listen. And Alina went off to, to Trinity and ended up murdered. Yeah. They certainly didn't know that she was a she-seer. Yeah, they and don't even know they about still Faith. don't, right? No, yeah, Mac has not has not talked to her father about what's really going on. But her um, father but yeah. does come to Ireland, and her father yeah. meets Barons. And mm-hmm. like at this point, as a reader, you're like, her father has to have some like awareness that there's something really weird going on here. Like this isn't just normal. Yes. Um, because like they they make her father sound like he's an intelligent man. Like he's like he's kind of how do they describe him? Like he's a lawyer, but he's like. He's, he's a like tax a, attorney. He's a tax a attorney. A no-nonsense no tax nonsense attorney. tax attorney. So very yeah, pragmatic. Yeah, he takes on the you know? IRS all the time. Right? If he can take on the IRS, <laughs> he can take on Barron's. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we meet Jack Jack Lane, Michaela's father. He shows up in the bookstore. Yeah. And then and she's, yeah, and then she's beat up and her hair's dyed dark. And he wants to know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And wants to bring her home. And meets Barons and then somehow stays the night in the bookstore. And the next day he's he's okay with being dropped back off at the airport to fly home. Yep. And we don't we don't really know what how that took place, but we do know that he and Barons were having a chat. Yep. So it's another reason Mac is suspicious. What is Barons? <laughs> right. Oh yeah, because we and we now know Barons is definitely not a she seer because they are only female. Right. Yeah. Danny is very clear about that. She doesn't yeah. know what he is, but he's not a she seer. Not a she seer. He's not hanging with them. And no. if you are hanging with Barons, you need some help. Danny makes that clear as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And then when Mac confronts Barons about that. Well, he just says, I never said I was a she-seer. You yeah. just assumed that, and I didn't tell you you were wrong. <laughs> right? Which is, like, to me, that's another moment where I'm like, I love barons. <laughs> right. And furthermore, I'm not going to tell you what I am because it's right? none of your fucking business. Right? But I feel <laughs> I feel like with barons, though, it's like if you would just, like, shut up and listen and, like, judge his actions, you could probably figure out what he is. <laughs> but she right. never does that. So. Right. Well, yeah, and that's that's another like theme of the it kind of goes in with what you were talking about, black and white mm-hmm. and shades of gray and good and evil. Barons talks a lot about that through the whole series. He's always asking her to don't believe people and judge them by their actions. Pay attention to what I do. Pay attention to who keeps saving your life. Yes. But then, you know, Vlaine saves her life, so she kind of throws that in his face. Yeah. 
but he didn't he asked her for something in return which like, I guess in her, I mean yeah, Barons does it. too because Barons is using her as an oop detector which she's always like you're <laughs> using me too everybody <laughs> in this so freaking town is just using me <laughs> it's true but like, but, it, but also at the same time the first it's funny you call it an oop detector I always say OOP when I'm reading <laughs> but I, I like, like that oop, there no it is. I like it too <laughs> there you go <laughs> I'm going to call it that from now on, too. Um, the first oop they find is the spear, which he gives, gives to her, to her which, straight away and right. says, the whole point we went after this was because I wanted you to have this because it's one of the only things that can kill the beings out there that are certainly trying to kill you or will try to kill you once they figure out that you exist and, and what you are. Um, so what's, you know... There's nothing in that for him. Right. No, there's actually, so in this book too, we meet Raiden, which I love mm-hmm. Raiden. And um, he becomes a bigger character later on. But um, Big Barons gives her this phone to use whenever she she really, really needs him. Um, and one of the, the numbers goes to Raiden. And like, she's asking Raiden, like, what, what is Barons? Who is he? And he actually says, the one who keeps saving your life. Which I'm like, right. that's the moment we're like, yeah, girl, pay attention to that. <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah yeah and then if we're talking about characters we meet uh we we also we've already met rowena but we right. do meet her in a more official capacity in this book yes um we learn that she is the head of the the she seers at least the dublin chapter i don't know if there are Other. others yeah. around <laughs> other parts of the world um but after she meets Danny at the fountain, she says, oh, you know, I've actually heard about you. Mm-hmm. Um, Rowena told us all about you. And, like, I'm not going to take you to her now, but, like, we'll come get you. And she's ready to talk, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so then later in the book, she does see Danny again and says, okay, I'm taking you, Let's taking go. you to Rowena. Let's go. Yeah. And it is interesting because you see Rowena in a very different way because in the first book, she's just some like crazy old lady that's like hitting Mac and like, you know, telling her to stop giving away their secrets. And, you know, she seems a little bit deranged, honestly, like, but in the, the Rowena in this book is much more like put together. And Mac says like, you know, she still can tell that she's older, but like, it's a little questionable and she seems powerful and sturdy, you know? It's a very different look into Rowena. And I always see her as Judy Dench. I don't know. <laughs> you... Oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know that I see her as a specific actress um, in my mind, but I definitely had that contrast in my head of her being this more like frazzled, mm-hmm. witchy type totally. crazy old lady character. Yeah, some like crazy old Irish lady that's hanging out in pubs and hitting young women. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the kind of buttoned up, business lady type who is all of a sudden you know maybe a decade or two younger than than mac had had initially thought she was um but you know now we know now rowena knows she has the spear mm-hmm. because danny sees her with it and so now now rowena wants to talk to her because she wants that spear right because she all... doesn't really want mac to have it yeah. because she thinks mac is a liability and honestly just kind of you know doesn't really want to have much to do with her 
Right. I and well, think. I don't think Mac is there for a greater cause. Mac is there for revenge against her sister. And that becomes really clear in this book. Like, it's the first time she really says, like, I am here to revenge the person who she believes is the Lord Master that killed my sister. And that's why she's there. It's not right. to, like, save um, like the, the oncoming war or, you know, save the world from fairy. She doesn't care about that. She just wants revenge for her sister. Or Rowena, really. I mean, they're, like they're organized and they have this great plan they have like this duty that they're born into and they only have this one object the sword that can kill the fae so of course she wants that spear so that they can kill more fae right and if the easiest way to get that spear is inviting mac into the fold then let's do it she's doing it (laughs) but mac's like i don't know i'll get i'll get back to you because you, you were about to leave me high and dry before you knew I had this. So, yeah. you know. Right. I mean, she talks about it in the book as as a, a game board and all of the people as, as pieces and which side of the board all of these pieces fit on and trying to figure out who she can trust and who – or, you know, not even who she can trust because she doesn't trust anybody, but – you know, how much she can with. trust them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we meet another person, too. Actually, I have two other other people written down. One is Christian. Hi, Christian. We meet Christian. Oh, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> um, we and don't know anything much about him at all yet. Yes, unless if you did happen to read Karen Marie Moaning's um, Highlander series before this, you will have a hint of Christian's origins. Right. Christian tells you the family that he comes from, the McKelters. And we do know about his uncles, and we do know that they are Druids. Druids. Which I loved. Oh, my gosh. When this component came in, I was like, oh, yeah, Druids. I don't know why Druids (laughs) Druids get me hard. (laughs) Like, all right, we're going to get creepy and magical now. We're going to go into some history a little bit. Yeah. Right. And we're very clear that Barons is hip to druids. Maybe he is a druid. We don't know, but he right. certainly. Uh, and it, yeah, it does bring that component in. Like maybe this is what Barons is. Yeah, he certainly knows some of their tricks, like guarding buildings against certain people being able to come in. We wards. know that he, he. Yes, wards. Thank you. I couldn't yeah. think of the word. Um, and that actually brings us to to another one of my favorite parts of the book, uh, when Vlaine comes to take his hour. Yeah. So she- we actually, yeah, when this happens, they are, they had gone to an auction where we talked about before the amulet was up for The auction for where, hello, was she describing Donald Trump? Because I think she was. Oh, really? Well, didn't she say actor, though? I was trying to figure that out. Everything. She's talking about how, like, he's very wealthy. How could he possibly need more money? If he does have more money, he should use it to fix his hair. (laughs) Okay, I did not. You're probably right. You're probably right. I... I didn't get there, but, but yeah, anyways, that makes yes. total sense. They're at this exclusive auction. and Right. Mac- and Barons is not bidding on the amulet, and Mac can't figure out why, because she knows that's what he wants. She knows and it's an she- oop. She's getting yes. all sick and bothered. Yeah. <laughs> and Barons is like, shut up. Shut right. up. Don't look. Don't show your face. <laughs> Don't Poker say face. anything. Yeah. 
And so they don't get the amulet and they they had flown in a private plane to this place that the auction took place. Uh, and then they're heading back and she's like, what the hell? And he says, you never bid on what you want. And then we yeah. find out later they're going to go back to steal it. Right. Because you don't want people to know that you want it because then they know your agenda. Which exactly. Ever pragmatic barons got right. it all figured out. <laughs> right. So they go to the vast estate of the person, the old man who purchased the amulet uh, to steal it. Um, and somebody else has beaten them to it. Yes. And there is carnage and... Uh, they run into another group of people who we don't know who that group is, but I I probably just hinted to it in my placement of where I'm telling this story. <laughs> yes. Um, I know. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, poof, Max on a beach. Yeah. In a, in a gold bikini. I think she's naked at first. Oh, no, she's in a pink bikini. She's oh, naked, right. She is naked. And then she's like, Blaine, you know, come on, don't be a dick. So he puts on a neon pink string bikini and a gold chain around her waist. <laughs> they talk a lot about this. I don't, the gold chain. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so Blaine is. I don't even really remember what they talked about, though. I mean, it didn't really seem like the hour had much of an agenda. Oh, yeah, it did. Are you kidding? Okay, so Vlaine wasn't there. That's why I don't remember that much, because he pieced out to go destroy this, like, that entryway for the Fae into the world. yes, And then he gave her this much-needed time with her sister, which was an illusion. Right. Um, But I think that's an agenda, because he's... He's telling her, look, I'm a nice guy. I'm just going to give right. you some time with no, your sister. I, yes. I didn't mean that he didn't have an agenda, but I mean that it wasn't, he wasn't that forthright with oh, it. Like yeah. he made it seem like it was important for that, their time together to happen at that moment, but then he just leaves. And yes, okay. and she has this afternoon with her sister. And she, I think it's worth mentioning, she's very aware that this, this is, is an real. illusion, that this is not real, but- you know, she makes the good point of who is going to turn that down, even if you know it's not real. Right. You have the chance to spend an afternoon with, you know, someone you thought you were never going to see again. Yeah. You're going to take it, whether it's real or not. And it's a very realistic, like, illusion. Like, you can smell. Like, she can smell Lena. She makes comments about, like, she smells her, like, peaches and cream and the mm-hmm. sunblock and they're having a corona and the lot. And, like, you know, so it's very, it feels real. And yeah, it feels like another chance to be with your sister. Right. It feels like closure mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah. Being able, you know, when you lose somebody and you don't get to say goodbye, you always think, oh, you're, you know, you never, you're never going to have that closure. And, and the, the way that she rationalizes it is that this is my closure. This is, yes. I, I'm getting to spend this afternoon with my sister and I know that I'm, you know, never going to see her again. Because after this takes place, she specifically says to Blaine, don't ever do that again yeah like I don't ever want you to do that again but thank you (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing Mm -hmm. um yeah so she she has that afternoon at the beach and then Blaine brings her back to the bookstore the bookstore that has just been absolutely ravaged Mm -hmm. somebody broke in there she thinks furniture is overturned everything is destroyed She's still in the bikini, um, 
and that's one of my favorite parts of the books because it's so sexy. There's so right, much. Okay, so but why? Why is it so sexy that this man just got really, really pissed because he couldn't find his little oop detector um, and she's half naked and now he's going to go chain her up and kind of... Sh- <laughs> why is it sexy? That's a great question. But it is. Um, yeah, and I'd like to say that it's sexy because I know the whole trajectory of the character and their relationship, but I no. absolutely was so turned on by that my the, first yeah. read through. Oh, no. That <laughs> was when those, the books thing. really, like, I was like, oh, oh, I'm into this. Okay. Like, I remember that first read through. Not a read Right. <laughs> like, I'm not going to say that it's healthy because it's probably not, but the reason that I was into it was because there are so few moments really in the entire series where you get to see barons out of control. Right. And at least for me, because I'm a hopeless romantic and I always want to believe in love, the power of love and obsession and, you know, all of the things that go with that. Why do you think think love and obsession? That's very interesting. (laughs) Anyhow, please. I don't know, because I grew up, you know, in the 90s. Uh, right? I'm talking all I the time. I was obsessed with Romeo and Juliet we when I was like to 12. We these things we learned in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyway, for sure. So, yeah, that's a, whole, that's a whole different podcast. Right. Um, well, I mean, it's not. We're going to get into that t- because, you know, it's a, it's a huge theme or uh, stereotype of this genre is, you know... Again, we talked about it last episode, the alpha male who is all about control. But, you know, going back to this, my point is this, this is one of those moments of Baron's breaking his mask coming off. Yeah. He, and I think like you say, oh, he lost his oop detector. I think, oh shit, he really cares. He's, he, he has charged, yeah, he has (laughs) charged himself with keeping her safe Safe. and she has gone to the one place that he can't find her yeah and he loses his shit and he rips apart the bookstore um i don't think trying to find clues to where she went i just think he rips he he knows where she is we find out later he knows exactly where she went uh that she's in fairy but he can't find exactly where and you know a uh, good time to to highlight how time works differently. She's gone for an afternoon, real time. She's been gone for a month, we mm-hmm. realize. She gets back to Dublin because time in fairy moves differently than it moves in the in the real world. Yeah. So, you know, he's she's been gone for a month. Um, and Barons is pissed because he thinks you know better. Like, you you know, I told you time works differently in fairy. Right. Fuck what Vlaine said. Why did you believe him? Yeah. And he commonly gets frustrated with her for that, I think. And that's why he's always calling her a child, because she doesn't listen to anything he says. And, like, it is frustrating because it's like he is. I know you don't trust him, but he's telling you some really great knowledge and he's sharing it with you. So take it and listen, Mm -hmm. process it and apply it. You know? Right. But and, no. <laughs> and he's so frustrated that he chains her. Chains her up. He chains her up and, and then... <laughs> he is going to tattoo her. Yeah, which is also hot. I don't know why. 
there is something hot about tattoos. Well, um, let me tell you why it's hot. I actually <laughs> pulled up that passage. Oh, yes. And she says, you are not tattooing me. Stop me. His smile was so caddish that I felt twitchy mouse ears sprout from the top of my head. He was serious. <laughs> He'd chained me up and now he was going to tattoo me. He was going to stand close to me, work slowly and methodically on my naked skin for what might be hours depending on the complexity of the tattoo. The thought made me feel lightheaded, queasy. I told myself to be calm. I would get to the bottom of this. I would talk him out of it. Why are you going to tattoo me, Barons? I asked in the most reasonable, soothing voice I could muster. The design contains a spell, so I can find you the next time you decide to indulge yourself in a childless whim. I'm sorry, childish whim. <laughs> so, yeah. So she gets, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it goes on for pages. But, you know, she gets mad at him and says a whim, you know. You weren't there to help me with the shades, and so this is the, the deal I made. Yeah. But then he makes a very good point and says he he's not talking about that. He's talking about her choosing to stay in fairy. And then accuses him of never having loved someone that much, which he quickly squashes and says, Yes. I absolutely have loved, and it's none of your business, right. the things that I've lost. Um. Which is but another then, part with your, your you know, us romantics are just like, oh, barons. Yeah. Oh, I'll, yeah, you can tattoo me. It's cool. But he doesn't. But he, well, he says he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> because he knows. He knows that this, she makes it very clear. That's that a line. That's, that's a line. Mm -hmm. And he's not to cross it. And so he says, fine, I'll concede to that. But I've got this. This cuff that I have, it's a different cuff. That I've but, been wearing, that you can now wear, which I also found hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, if I'm not going to tattoo you, put this cuff on and don't take it off because that's how I'm going to find you if if something happens, happens. again. Yeah. And she, she says fine and she wears it. Um, but yeah, just that her describing well and also i think that's hot because you know it might made me feel lightheaded and queasy you're you're starting she gives hints along the way of oh you know like he makes me feel these certain kind of ways that i'm super uncomfortable about and yeah. i don't want to think about them so i don't want to put myself in in a position where i don't even think it's about the tattoo i think it's because she doesn't want to admit the effect that he has on her. And if he's touching her for that long, she's mm -hmm. not going to be able to ignore it. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Like I she, mean, I think it's, she it's, won't it's, be able, the chemistry will ignite. Yeah. <laughs> she's got to do, and you know, it's, it's about control. She doesn't want him to have that control over her. And mm -hmm. she also wants to be able to have control over keeping those feelings at bay and that's a step that she can't handle huh yeah uh -huh. I don't know if I'd even like gotten to a place where I thought that she was had feelings for him oh I don't know maybe I'm just like it's impossible for me to fathom a scenario in which I mean no you wouldn't. I think you're like <laughs> you make a point like there are like hints where she says like she sees a 
like moments in him. Like there, yeah. I remember there's something about he's laughing and she's like, it's almost like he's a normal man and I can see something in there to like love. Um, so there right. are, there are hints. And you know, she catches him looking at her breasts and. Oh yeah. He loves well, even in that scene. A lot. Oh yeah. Even in that scene. Uh, basically she makes a comment about his manhood that he probably can't get hard. And, and he, oh, he puts her in her place and says that, he gets many erections. Thank you. Yeah. All the erections. All the <laughs> and time. also sometimes they're for a spoiled little girl. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yes. I yeah. Did, I did forget about that. So yeah, no, that's a great moment where you're like, oh, okay. Like parents might not be the lover boy, but like he definitely like he wants to get it on. Like, why not? Yeah. He'd dip it in there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so gross. Ew. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so she's back. She's been chained, threatened with a tattoo that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And now she has a cuff, so barons can always find her. Right. Yeah. And then that kind of brings us. So then, you know, we, we kind of, we didn't really go back to talking about Christian. Um, basically, she meets him at Trinity because Baron sends her on a, on a mission to pick up the, I think it's the, the information invite. for where the auction is being. Yep, yeah, is. the invite for the auction. And so she meets meets a handsome man at the Trinity Library, and um, then she runs into him again after this at a bar. Mm-hmm. So she, I think she just goes out to blow steam off because she's like, I refuse to be held, you know, prisoner in this um, bookstore. Yeah, know? and like she's just processing all this shit, like you know fairies are out here people are dying my sister probably got sucked you know the life out of her by a fairy like there's barons is on my case but you know she's just processing it all in a bar with some pints you know yeah which we all and <laughs> she realizes right it's the best place to process information um with lots of alcohol <laughs> oh once again our unhealthy <laughs> tendencies i mean good choices always come out of that yeah um alcohol but- and alpha men it's great yeah it's recipe for happiness um (laughs) um, but you know one thing that she kind of makes note of is this is the first time she's gone out since she gets back from from fairy and she has been gone for i think it's three a three and a half weeks and wow dublin sure looks a lot different there are tons of unseely out everywhere they are driving cabs they are manning newsstands they are infiltrating mm-hmm. um and you know she thinks well i i know that the lord master has obviously opened up a gate somewhere else because blaine had destroyed the one that she found in the warehouse but there are just tons of unseely around yeah um and so she is journaling she's writing in her journal which i guess max journal is really another character in this series because we we see pieces of her journal a lot and then the whole glossary at the back of every book with some of the helpful pronunciations these all right. came from max journal which are you know a, a list of of all of the different terms of the world all of the different types of of fae that she's encountered yeah. um and so she's she stumbles upon christian or christian sees her at the bar and comes over to talk to her and in her, um, I guess, just desperation 
to I don't even know what I want to call it her her need to connect to somebody or to like make it a point of how different she is and how Mm -hmm. you know different her her life is in comparison to the average person who doesn't know what's really going on in the city she just pushes her journal over to to christian and says well read a page of this yeah like and then you'll think that i'm totally insane and And so he yeah (laughs) and then he reads a little and he looks at her and says i know what you are yeah and also you're alina's sister yeah so bum 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 he bum 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 yeah yeah and that's when he he mentions about her his uncles being druids, um, the Kelters. The McKelters. <clears throat> I don't know the names of the books that they appear in, but they're in two just, of the Odegas, the Highlander books. Yeah. Tristan? Oh, <laughs> yeah. They're great. They're anyhow they're sexy. I just realized though there is something that we have not mentioned that is another character in this book, in particular, and it's very important. Um, she keeps. She thinks she's hallucinating, or maybe she is hallucinating. Mm. Um, this like Grim Reaper style, you know, like a hooded figure with the scepter that keeps mm-hmm. following her around, um, and she feels like other people don't see it. Right. So and she well, she's her thrown mind. her flashlight, and it's gone. It through went through it. it. So that's proof to her that this is in her mind. This is some part of her subconscious. She's decided that is taunting her. Um, yes that there are sides of her that are dark right i think and she does talk about that a lot i mean that that goes on in this series for the entire series is mac and the understanding that there are these dark parts parts of her her and these light parts of her and somewhere in between all of them and meshed together is actually her but you know i think that's that's so human like Mm -hmm. i think we all have that like our sure we do our shadow work and (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's something that's really easy for us to attach to. And then there's a lot of stuff about like, there's no black, there's no white, there's gray. Everybody, it seems like every character in the series at some point kind of shares their opinion on black and white. Right. Some, yeah. yeah. Nothing's clear cut. Unless you're well, Rowena. And then it's yeah, very black and white. Yeah, you're Rowena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, yeah, that's Spectre or... What does she call it in the book? I don't know. I just always call it the Grim Reaper because that's how yeah. I see it. Yeah. I see it like kind of like that, but you know those masks with like the long horns and. Oh, the plague doctors? Yeah. That's yeah. how I always see it. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so so that is a good point to bring up because that kind of leads us to yeah. the, the end of the book, which also brings us to the other character that I was going to mention. So she's at the bar with Christian. She gets a phone call on that cell phone that Barron's gave her. And Barron says, get your ass back to the bookstore. The hunters, the hunters have been spotted in the city. Um, and I, and we do learn what the hunters are in the first book. They are, uh, they are a cast of unseelie. A higher cast of Unseelie, one of the highest, in fact, I think. Uh, and they are, their basic purpose is to destroy the She-Seers. Right. And, and they are scary, and they fly. And I have the hardest time visualizing them, because she mentions that they look kind of like the stereotypical image of the devil, like what we all grew up expecting to see, but they fly. Mm-hmm. And so I always see them as these big, like, 
beast serpenty type yeah but- yeah kind of like snaky dragon type gobliny yeah they are kind of they they change in my mm-hmm. imagination <laughs> right kind of depending on the specific scenes that they are in throughout the series um so she she's running home to the bookstore to to Baron's books and baubles and she gets cornered in an alley by some rhino boys uh, and then she she feels the chill. That's another thing about the hunters. Chill, they hunter. they ice everything around them. They are the coldest, uh, darkest, deepest fear that you have, I guess. Mm-hmm. So she feels that and looks up and there's there's a hunter above her and she has a conversation with it, really. Um, but she... I actually forget now because she basically she basically says it's not worth your while, right? Because they essentially they are like the mercenary. They're mercenaries. Yeah. But yeah, she makes hired. some sort of point where all of a sudden the cost becomes too great. All I, I just remember it standing out to me that she's definitely like she has a conversation with the hunter, which I think is yeah. is strange. Like you know, you're kind of like, what? Like this is your greatest fear. And she does talk a lot about that, how, like, the minute she knew about the hunters, she just had this innate fear. Like, that was the big bad. Like, that was the most scary thing that she, you know, could see that was on the, like, the game board. Um, and so then here this hunter is above her, and, you know, she's she's talking to it. Like, she's having a conversation with it. But then she's also very aware, like, oh, well, this is it. This is death for me. Right. Oh, he get the hunter gets very mad that she has the spear. Oh yes, and it's and the conversation she has with it happens in her head, mm-hmm. which is also freaky on another level because it's that same control aspect where you know this thing can get inside your head, and you've got no power to block it. To block it, yeah. Oh, it's that's what it is she, that the the hunter sees that she has the spear, and it all of a sudden it's not worth the risk. Like the the cost, the price that the hunter will get for for catching Mac is not worth chancing eternal death if and she spear. gets it with the spear. She's very cocky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I always, she's always kind of like. There's just this part of her that's clearly, like, scared of everyone and everything. But then she's also like, but I will kill you. Like, I'm I'm confident with Fake that. Fake it till you make it. Right. <laughs> well, and I mean, I think that, you know, if if you had one of the only things in existence that could kill this race of, of people mm-hmm. um, or of beings and they hadn't had anything to fear in so long, it would probably make you a little cocky. Like, Yeah. Right. You're you're protected against almost everything, but I I actually have something that can kill you. Mhm. Not you can you actually have to fear me. I don't know. That'd probably make me pretty cocky too as long as I was certain I knew how to use it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, what happens is the hunter uh has merely acted as a distraction. She turns around and she runs into her grim reaper. 
and she thinks, oh, well, I threw my flashlight through him or through it uh, last time. So she tries to just kind of barrel on past him yeah. and she sinks her fist into a gooey, what gooey. did you call it? <laughs> gooshy? Gooshy, 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 And all of a sudden she thinks, what the hell? Like this yeah. is all, this is not what I thought it was. This is not my imagination. This is something real. Um, and then all of a sudden she is punched out, right? Knocked out. Yeah, yeah knocked out. Um, and she wakes up in in like a dungeon. Yeah, the the burren, which is like, I guess it's like a whole bunch of like rocks and caves and a mountain like outside of. Dublin. It's kind of what I Yeah, gather. that goes like underground. Yeah, and it's like massive. I assume it's a real thing. It is. Yeah. Oh yeah, I looked it up on Wikipedia. I always yeah. look up that kind of stuff. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. What was it used for? I don't know. Are there people that, that really live down there? Ugh. I don't think it's creepy. So. I don't know. Let's I bet there are. Look. What? Are there, there? I'm sure there are homeless people in Ireland. Oh yeah. Well, I don't. And then cities and are. when she wakes up, like she's She's in, like, a cell, and there are many cells, so mm-hmm. I guess we could assume that, I mean, it's not real life. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> it's not real life. <laughs> it is real. Too. You don't know that. Right? Um, I'd yeah. Wanna, maybe I just can't see it. Maybe it's all real. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, yes, she wakes up in this cell, and we do learn that this hallucination that she thought she was having is real, and it is Malooch. Malooch. Mm-hmm. And... That's another thing that we forgot to mention, which is totally going to give away something right away, but it's in the book. Um, she keeps finding these rhino boys mm. that are half eaten. Mm-hmm. Like people have taken chunks out of them and just left them. Um, and there is a really nice moment where she comes across one. It's nice. Um, she comes across <laughs> one in a cemetery because her and Barons are looking for oops. Um, and she finds it. And it's this moment of, do I put this, you know, unsealy that is my enemy out of misery or do I just let it be here because it wouldn't it wouldn't die in that state Mm. it would just survive as a lump of half a body in the ground of a cemetery forever and ever which is terrifying um (laughs) and she does make that decision to stab him and kill him and Barons takes note yeah I mean I think that's a a nice moment between the two of them because it's Mm -hmm. another example of those shades of gray and, and that's it's, like, yeah. it's a test that Barons is giving her to say, you know, where do you fall? Like, can you, are you capable of, of rising above this, yeah. um, this feeling of the need to have revenge? And do you have mercy in you? Do you have mercy? Yeah. Because I think mercy becomes a big um, part of Barron's story later right. on. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, he's definitely, he's impressed by, by that or he, you know, like you said, takes note of the fact that in his mind, she makes the right decision. Yeah. Um, but now back with, what did I call him again? Gushy Lushy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back with Gushy Lushy. Yeah. So what do we learn about why he's, he's Gushy? He has been eating the rhino boys and it has turned him into part fey. So the parts of his body have taken to this rhino consumption and have turned fey. And then the other half of him, we still don't know. It might be vampire. It might mm-hmm. be not vampire. But here we are. And he's got like P 
pieces of his body that were affected by the spear because the spear kills Faye. So the yeah, Faye components she had stabbed of him. him with, yeah. She had stabbed him with the spear at the end of book the one. Book. And yeah. there was some confusion, or not confusion, but there was some mystery as to whether or not he had survived or not. Although we, you know, Barons had pretty much said, don't, you know, don't yeah. let your guard down or don't make assumptions about yeah. him being off the, off the board. As yeah, it unless were. you've like, what was he said? Like you burned it, rifled through its ashes and like pissed on it or something. I don't know. Right. Like, <laughs> it's still alive, basically. So yes, Barons, once again, 100% correct. Lucia <laughs> <laughs> Gushi is here and alive. Right. And yeah. he's really pissed off at Mac um, because he's lost parts of his body. Uh, they're like, like, how would you describe? They're just like mushing away. Rotting. They're rotting. Part, like a Wobbling. zombie almost. Yeah. Yes. Like he's he's much like how you just described a rhino boy was, you know, dying essentially, had been reduced to bits and pieces. He's, they're still alive in there. They're still cognizant mm-hmm. and conscious of everything happening and that's that's sort of what is happening to Lushi Gushi. he's he's waking up every day to new parts of his body rotting, rotting away. away yeah um and and we also learn another important point of is that the lord master is the one that showed him how to do this how to eat today to, to become powerful to become partially immortal. Right. Um, Which is a pretty good indication that Lucy is not a vampire. Right. He's just fronting. Because he wouldn't be seeking out this fey power if he were actually a vampire. Well, I can't say that. I mean, I think people that are powerful want more power. So it's possible. But most likely... We never do get resolution on that. On if he's not a vampire? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Baron's... Oh, we do? I don't remember. yeah. I'll yeah, have to so rediscover it. it's it's gonna happen really soon because basically she's locked up. Lucy's got her, you know. They're I don't oh, know how deep, but miles right. and miles and miles beneath Earth. Like mm-hmm. she's like Barons isn't finding me. Oh, and he removed her little cuff that she had, so right. she's like, "This is it." Like shit, she I'm lost just... hope. Yes, and like she speaks to this. She was broken. She gave up. She didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't think there was a way out. Um, and it was just a matter of time. So she actually starts egging him on to hopefully get him to end it sooner rather than later and basically beat the shit out of her. And then, ta-da, Barons shows up. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah. He finds her just like, you know, completely just, you know, broken in every place possible. Um, Dying. Yeah. And that's actually- He is dying. And he, again, it's in, we get two moments in this book of his mask coming off and he mm-hmm. is not in control. And, he and that is it. a, yes, that is, that is the worst feeling for Barons is not being in control. Um, and we'll learn more about why control is so important to him um, mm-hmm. because of the very specific parts of his life that he does not have control over. Um, but yeah, so he's he's desperate. He says, you know, I there's I could there's things I could do, but I don't have the supplies the here. Tools. Like I can't do anything. Like you're gonna die. I can't get you where I need you um, to to save you. And I, this is actually something that I I don't remember noticing before 
um, because it has to do with with what we discover Barons is later. So I'm not going to spoil anything for the people that maybe have not read the whole series. Um, but he has made a decision before she has an idea of how to save her. Of how to save her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that always not stood out to happy me. with it. But he's going to do it. He's going to do it because her dying is not an option. And he very specifically says to her, I need you to remember later that this is not the way I would have. This is not. This. Yeah, I didn't. Choose I mean, I am choosing it. Obviously, he's choosing it, but he's only choosing it because he has no other option besides letting her die. Because he has um, to protect her. He always protects her. And that's his like redeeming factor, I think. That's what makes the alpha male acceptable when ultimately he's always protecting her. Right. And I think, you know, it's certainly true for barons that you can you can need somebody for something or, you know, they they can be of use to you. And that isn't necessarily what motivates you mm-hmm. to want to protect them. Absolutely. Um, And so, yes, there are, and you know, Michaela doesn't get that yet about him. She, she keeps coming back to that because she doesn't trust him yet. Um, So she keeps coming back to the fact that you're only doing this because I find these OOPs for you. So you need, you need me to find the book. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the only thing that's motivating you to help me or save me or teach me. protect me is that you don't want to lose what I do for you yeah you know that makes me think you're I think you're actually onto something I think she does have feelings for him because she's very clear like I only need you to get revenge for my sister because I need the shisadu and like you're a means to an end and like Mm -hmm. I feel like she wouldn't um latch onto that so strongly if she wasn't trying to deny well and that's that's a whole part of the play right like he That's part of why he only gives her the information that he feels like she needs because Mm -hmm. he's waiting for her to admit certain things about herself before he feels that she deserves him to admit those things to her. Absolutely. Like, you know, she might not even realize that she's not being honest with herself, but he realizes that. And so he's he's giving what he gets, Mm -hmm. even though she doesn't look at it that way. Right. But yeah, so so she's got an idea for how to save herself. And it's, it's gross. It's gross. <laughs> it's really gross. Uh, that's one of the grosser parts of this series because um, it, it happens, you know, it happens a few times where we have to, to see or, or read about people eating the unseelie. And yes. what that feels like, uh, it's still moving, it's still wiggling, and you're basically, like, eating something that's still alive. Right. Um, and and Barron's is even, like, kind of grossed Right. And he's also <laughs> like, you're crazy, you don't know what the side effects could be, like nothing good can come from like eating Faye, you know? Right. <laughs> but he does still... know that the other idea that he has, we don't know what it is, but he knows it's is... probably worse. And I mean, he must deem that it's worse if he's like, yeah, That's, I don't, yeah, I don't I have this a, is a better bad idea, idea, but go for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't have a better one. Yeah. yeah. So she, she eats, she eats the Faye and she starts to heal. And beyond <laughs> that, she 
gets super strong. She starts shadow boxing. <laughs> yeah, she's like high, and she's like, "Look at me, I'm strong. Let me hit you." Yeah, that is, oh my god, I love, that's my other favorite part of this book. Well, obviously, because, you know, then we get, like, an explosion of chemistry between them, which is, yeah, like, the first, um, you know, time that we actually find out with no question about it that these two are hot for each other. Yeah. But before that, he fucking punches her in the face, which just delights me because she's egging him on and he's just like, shut up. He's like, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to hit you. And then all of a sudden, he just gets really annoyed with her and pops her one. And she was saying it and like out of context, we sound fucking insane. We're like, yeah, he hit her. It was great. Oh, God. Wait, all It was, though. It was so funny. Because, you know, he knew he wouldn't hurt her because no. she's all hopped up on, you know, he, and he wanted to see, probably, he's also part of his being pragmatic is this is a new right. experience Can't for him. Can't this? Yeah. yeah, let's see how strong she actually is. Um, and so there's a great scene of them just beating the shit out of each other, really. I mean, they're not hurting each other because they're both bouncing back from every Right, and, no... and you have to make it clear, like, the minute she gets hit, she heals. Like, yeah, that's it how doesn't hurt. Is. Yeah, she yeah. realizes this doesn't hurt. Oh, my God, I'm as strong as Baron's. I'm this as is... strong as Baron's. Yeah, yes. this is the most fantastic thing. I don't need anybody. I don't I need do anybody. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody. Um, And then all of a sudden, in that euphoria and, and, and fever... <laughs> pun intended um i guess it's not really a pun if it's the same word um but anyways (laughs) she uh all of a sudden that that kind of feisty fighting turns into lust Uh, yeah and they come together um in a very sexually charged moment that um sadly for all of us is interrupted this shirt ripping (laughs) Yes. And there's also talks about really nice abs and tattoos mm-hmm. all over his body. So, yeah, um, um, it's hot. It's very hot. And it's very rewarding because, you know, we've been reading this and we're like, is this going to happen? Like, yeah. Is something happening? And then, yes, something. Still not enough, but something. I know. Well, and that's the thing too, right? It's, And we'll talk about this, I'm sure, with every series we read. This, what I love, Jessica calls it, is sexy time. Oh, I didn't come up with that. Everybody calls it sexy time. Really? Okay. Yeah. I've never heard it before. Um, you know, it's a delicate balance with these books because they oh, have yeah. these books have to have that element to be considered a paranormal romance because otherwise you're just fantasy. It's just a like sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, certainly some of the authors really make you work for it. And yes. it's like book, you know, three or four before there, any action happens. And then other authors are like just fucking slapping you in the face with it one chapter in. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like there's something for everybody out there in the world of paranormal romance. Personally, as frustrating as it makes me to have to wait for it, um, I don't like it when when it's too much i want to slow burn for sure um but then i i think we've had this conversation before where i'm like i just need something like hot and heavy right now like i've read too much like young adult the last like couple months or you know i want something different and so i think i go both ways like yeah because there's a there's a there's an author that i love that i you're not as into Mm -hmm. um and that's very much her thing like it is 
it's right up front. Her men are dicks. Like, they're assholes. Um, and there's lots of sex right away. And I like Pretty this. brutal, too. Very brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but that actually brings up, so I was going over good reviews, um, and I found one that kind of brings this up um, that I liked. It's from Sandy Williams, who's also an author that I like. Um, she did the Shadow Reader, Shadow Reader series, which is a really good one. Yeah, we read that a long that. time ago. Oh, okay. I can't um, even remember it. Maybe we should reread that one. It was good. Um, but she says, uh, where am I? Okay. And just what the hell is Barron's? And seriously, people, why have I always thought this was a paranormal romance? There's major sexual tension there, I think. And I have a major book crush on Barron's. But we're two books into the series and there's barely been kissing. I'm like, and it made me think, like, is this a paranormal romance? I don't know. Like, is this more of an urban fantasy? I just went to the library to get the last one in the series and they have it labeled as science fiction. So, like, I don't, Mm. like, what is it actually? But whatever it is. She loves it, and I love it, and I think it's great. But, yeah, it's not, like, like I said, there's not love up front. We don't know for sure that, like, there's going to be some type of love in between Barons mm-hmm. and Mac. Really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess know. that does kind of beg the question of what defines paranormal romance. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I still think it's such an – it is a newer genre that maybe there aren't really any hard and fast rules Um you know, certainly there has to be something paranormal going on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and there has to be like a coming together and chemistry. But does there have to be sex? Does there does it have to have a happily ever after? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out as we go along. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. what's so? Yeah. So that was your that was your what was your review that you picked this week? That was it. That was yeah. um, Sandy Williams. That was a part of it that I really liked. Um, <laughs> and then this was another one that I really, it really resonated to me. Also positive review. Love the book. Um, and it made me do re- like realize that like a lot of this, this is when we really started thinking about what the hell is Barron's. Um, and this one, oh shiz, why does Barron's have chains readily available in his basement? For chaining up people as he feeds on them? For chaining up the silly? What the fuck, fudge and fudge? <laughs> He's unsilly, isn't he? It's a rhetorical question. Dang it. I don't want to know. Wait, yeah, I do. No, no, I don't. <laughs> and I'm like, I felt like that so captured how you begin to think of Barons now. Because the first book, like, you know, you get a little bit of that, but you're like, oh, he's a shisier. Or, you know, he's, you kind of feel like you've got it under, you kind of have an idea of what he might be. And in this mm-hmm. book, there's like more questions being thrown out there to where you get to like, just like that reviewer, like, what the fuck is he? Like, what is he? I don't understand. Like, and why does he just have like, you know, ink for doing tattoos that are spelled and chains and things bang in his garage? And like, what is all of this? Why does he know so much? Like, why does he have these random like bros that he's connected to? And like, you know, Ryden can call Mac and look at like, obviously Ryden knows about Mac as well. Like, what is he? Well, we didn't, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, I mean, not that it was, you know, necessarily important to the storyline at all, but she does call him on that phone one, the first mm-hmm. time she uses it and he's in the middle of a fight with, he's in the middle and we learn that he's in the middle of a physical altercation with Ryden for saying something that he shouldn't have said or asking yeah. for something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we get that whole like, well, okay, so there's some other 
person out there that can actually take barons on in a fight. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> the plot thickens. The plot thickens, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that really does, like, the plot thickens around what the hell is barons, like, in this Right. Book. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I actually, one of the reviews that I found, this lady only, only read the second book, which... I don't understand okay. those people. <laughs> Who does that? Like, I never do that. I always, if I see a book is not the first in the series, I go find the first one. Yeah. You I mean, it is worth noting beginning. that that's one thing that I hate about series of any kind, not just paranormal romance, is that time that the author has to spend at the beginning of every book, like, charting Explaining the course everything. for the yeah. people that right. decided to come in. Like, screw those people. Right? Just get back to the story if they don't know what's going on that's their own fucking fault for starting with book two like I don't need (laughs) totally although I guess I will say and I've brought this up to you before that I do appreciate it when you're reading the books as they come out because sometimes you're waiting like a year and a half or something for the next book um and so you forget yeah because you read so many things in between that the details are hazy um but it's certainly annoying when you're the you know when the, the whole series is um out and you're reading it you know, one after the other, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> I want to find out what happens next. Don't waste time on this. Right. Um, and then the the review that I pulled, which maybe it wasn't fair to, to pull this one, um, because this person wrote a review and did not read the book. I don't <laughs> like that shit. Like, if you have the balls to critique it and write, like, a review about it, like, be decent. Actually finish the book. Like, otherwise, like, your opinion means nothing. Like, yeah. So I liked this one because uh, I knew that we were going to be talking about Christian and um, his family. (laughs) Uh, And this person uh, had obviously read all of the Highlander books that came before Fever. That gives that person a little bit more credibility because there is some type of, Well, yeah, but she didn't read any of the book. So, okay, Any? I'm going to read it. At all? No, okay, it's, read it. it's read long. It. I don't know when it was released because I couldn't find dates, but it's by someone named M. Detchweiler. Detchweiler. D-E-T. Yeah. Sorry to see it happen. I'm feeling sad today, and it is because one of my favorite authors, Karen Marie Moaning, has strayed down the wrong path as a romance author. And a romance author is what she is, but I think she has forgotten it. Or maybe she's pushed it to the side. Romance is where she got her start and established her fan base and support. But she has gone the same uh, route as others. Um, She has started to believe her reviews and forgotten what she needs to do to get those reviews. Uh, Another She mentions another writer named Amanda Quick, which I don't know because I don't read straight romance typically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quick's books just kept getting more clever all the time until finally it was like she was just writing a parody of her earlier books. That's when I stopped reading her and more importantly to these authors, stopped buying her. That's the bottom line. If they don't write the stuff that people want to read, they don't get bought. (laughs) Ew, I hate that. It's gross. Yeah, um, and I'm going to skip because... Maybe she would have been better off to not be so ambitious and given us Mac and Jericho's story in a more condensed version. You have to have a lot of story when you have five books to fill. Five books is a lot to make people sit through to find out what's going to happen. Yeah. 
personally, I think she will have lost a lot of her readers by then. Uh, hate to tell you, um, Detchweiler, but I'm pretty sure that these books are way more wildly popular than her Highlander yeah. series, which I also enjoyed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Karen Marie Moaning is a good writer and has created magical worlds in her stories. Unfortunately, her new works aren't going to be read by as many people as her earlier stuff. I know uh, I haven't bought I haven't bought neither of the Fever books, so she hasn't even bothered to read them. She, she just, just knows their shit. To be upset. All right. I yeah, get it. and Thank I don't girl. plan on chanting broken. that practice. Yeah, I but it. I mean, like, dude, give them a shot because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that they yeah. are quite similar in tone and to the right to the Highlander series. Um, I mean, this kind of goes back to how we're like, is this a paranormal romance? And this is right. someone that was very loyal to Karen Marie Moaning Just as a romance, romance author. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she didn't get what she was hoping to. But how does she even know? Because she didn't yes. read the book. She must just like. have like a, something against that genre and she's not even going to give it a shot. Well, she obviously likes Irish men because she liked the Highlanders or Scottish men. Mm-hmm. And she obviously Ooh. likes uh, magic. She likes a little magic, although it wasn't and as fae. heavy. There is a lot of fae. There's a little bit of there that. A little, there. I guess not a lot. There is some. Maybe it was the darkness that's in, like, right from the get-go, there's a darkness about these books that's in Mac and that's in the fact that her sister was murdered. And Yeah, but I'm going to take a little bit of issue with that. And again, like, it's it's probably not even fair to assess because she, she didn't read it. Didn't read it. Um but there's plenty of darkness in the Highlander books. The darkness is just coming from the male characters and not the female ones. Oh, yeah. I mean, that could be. But I don't know. Like, we can't really say because, like you said, she didn't read it. Yeah. Did, well, she just not- read the- Did she look at the cover and was like, this isn't the right kind of cover for me? Who could say? Yeah. And then also, feel- I I don't like that. Like, I get it. Like, <sighs> She's a published author. She's in this to make some money. I understand that. But she's also an artist. Like, why do we have to be like, ew, I'm not giving you my money because you're not creating the art that I like. Like, ew. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Look, like, this podcast that we're doing, like you said in the last episode, certainly will be pointing out things that we don't like or... um, you know, poking fun at them sometimes, but they're not meant to be a review. Um, I, I think reviews are important. I'm going to say that because I know that authors need them, especially some of the lesser known authors need their books to be reviewed in order for them to be able to gain a a wider audience. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to like discount the purpose or the importance of writing reviews. Um, but you know, it's also everybody's a critic. I think it's like anything else, but especially for this genre, uh, there's going to be things that you like about it. There's going to be things that you don't. And it just kind of depends on what your tastes are. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe there's not enough sex in it for you because maybe like when you're reading a paranormal romance, that's what you want. And if you if they don't get to it in the first book, then it's a, it's a failure in your mind. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like I have to have the romance aspect but I don't like it to be the whole story like I like there to be a a larger plot and you know that's the issue that I I have had especially with a lot of the the ongoing longer series um 
like Laurel K. Hamilton is one that I, I stopped reading because I felt like the plots of the books used to be so interesting and, and they had that romance component to them that at some point the plots just became all about sex and why yeah. she has to have sex with these new people now because of, you know, some larger reason. And that, to me, that's just boring. But, you know, obviously she's still very popular and I, I'm i not going right. to put her down and, like, people are liking it and that's great. Um, there's something out there for everybody. Just for me, that's not what I look for in, in the book. That doesn't hold my interest. Like, are these like, I like porn for us? <laughs> yeah, well, no, but I think they are. I'm just, yeah, no, they are, but it's like I would I would get bored watching porn because I also want there to be I need a story. A story and I, need yeah. this, I need the story to be as good as the so, sex. So, okay, so what if there was porn where the acting was actually, like, really good? And, oh, like, yeah, I'd be was, way into it. I think I would, too. Yeah. What if it was, like, like, what if, I don't do this because that'd be weird. But if they were to take a story like Fever and make it into a porno. But they actually have to be good actors. They have to be good actors. And that's why I think they could never make this series into a movie or into a show. Because, like, you can't cast these characters. They're otherworldly. They're otherworldly, and, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I agree. Like, I need a story. I want to I wanna find a new world. I want, like, you know, world building and all that kind of stuff mm. going on. And I definitely like a little bit of magic and like, I can't just read something that's like straight romance. It will, yeah. it bores the shit out of me. I mean, I have, and I, I'm not going to say that there haven't been straight romance books that I've found enjoyable, but they're certainly not my favorite. Cause not I your just, favorite, yeah. I mean, like to me, they're just very one note. And a lot of people would say that about paranormal romance books in general, but to, to me, there, there's still enough, variety within the common themes or common archetypes that they're always new and exciting for me there's definitely a lot of room for creativity when you're working with a world that's not completely real you know you can yeah. kind of like you can do Make a little bit rules. here and there right yeah so I think maybe that is what I enjoy so much about like this genre because mm -hmm. There is, there's room for the unexpected and there's room for artistry and not to say, I mean, obviously there's artistry in all writing, um, but yeah, like it doesn't just have to be the world that I know. It can be something else entirely. And I love that. Yeah. But yeah. anyway. So, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have picked that review just because she didn't read the book and I don't think that's fair. So I will read just this, <laughs> also this one star review from someone named Denise and I got both of these off of Amazon um, and it's just short. Um, what a ripoff this book is so boring. If you read Dark Fever and then you read Blood Fever, it's the same book. No All fire, right. no enough. fire, no sex, no chemistry, and definitely no intrigue. Karen has really disappointed with this book. You cannot have a romance novel without romance. I want my money back. I will not buy any more books in this Fever series. Please save your money for gas. <laughs> Why gas? I don't know, but it's capitalized, so obviously things. it's... You know what? Gas is important, guys. We should just save our money for gas. Yeah. <laughs> not food, not shelter. Also, like, I guess bugs. to me, I don't know. To me, I don't think you need to have sex to have romance. No. And I also just wholeheartedly disagree that there's no fire. There, I mean, there's no sex. That's fair. There's no fire, no chemistry, and no intrigue. That's all this. the first few books of this series are to are. me is chemistry and intrigue. 
Yeah. Um, and we spoke about two moments of chemistry and highlighted that chemistry. So there mm-hmm. definitely is chemistry. I guess it's just if it does it for you or it doesn't do it right. for you. Right. I mean, yeah, you have to feel that chemistry as the yeah. reader. And yeah. I guess if you're not connecting to the characters, then you're not going to connect to that chemistry. And that's a big Absolutely. deal. And she's um, not – like, I do agree a little bit. Like, we already kind of spoke to this. Like, the the storyline of this book is very similar to the first book. You know, mm-hmm. we got – there's the book, and then there's Jericho and Mac running around looking for oops, and then the bad guys come, she gets beat up, and then eventually we're going to get the book again. You know, mm-hmm. so it is, I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, certainly she could move forward with the story at a quicker pace, and I don't know that I've spent too much time trying to figure out why she doesn't. I don't want her to. I love Yeah, no, me either. Me everything either. she writes, honestly. Um, yeah, and she has this way of taking things that are very real in our lives, like everyone's lives that are very relatable, but then putting it in this fantastical world. And like, I think a lot of the writing where it is a little bit slower is her doing, making those moments and creating those moments. And that's part of what makes the series so good. So I would never want to lose those. Yeah. 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 To me, like all of the slowing down in telling the story just really helps you to be able to connect to the characters um as opposed to it just being like action-packed event after action-packed event and not giving the character any time to to kind of process Mm -hmm. the journey as she goes along through it um yeah and and you know obviously she has to spend some time kind of reiterating stuff that that she told you in the first book like we went through for people um, that don't read the books in order. Yeah, or I mean, maybe it's just like, <laughs> okay, I don't too really, long in between. I, yeah, maybe I don't know that much about, you know, publishing or writing, but I'm sure that's right. probably something that, that they are instructed to do by the, the publishing house. I was totally thinking that. Like, you have to write it in a way to where mm-hmm. if someone picks it up randomly, they'll be drawn into your world and they'll be inspired to start from the beginning and buy all of your books. Yeah, I mean, that's look, and, I and especially... <laughs> Not so much anymore because of, you know, the internet and Amazon and um, just the ability to to find all of the books in the series mm-hmm. at your fingertips. But back in the day, like, I remember when I started reading um, the Anita Blake series, it was like 95, I think, when I read. And I I had come across one and I didn't know it was a series. Yeah, I just like found it in a used bookstore. Or yeah, and it ended up being the third book in the That's series. True. I and I, that. you know, then I had to go, you know, to the bookstore and see if they had other ones. And I think like place a special order for, you know, mm-hmm. the ones that, oh that were out at that point. Remember having to special order books? Yeah, I do. Oh, and I think, and you like know, CDs. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, I, it's, that I can see where that could have happened more easily before yeah. than now. No, you're now right. it's like you're I right. get you that know I get sense. Amazon suggests things for me all the time, and sometimes the book they suggest isn't the first one in the series. So yeah, automatically I like go to the. You can like go and you can look it up and be like, all right, where's the first one? Like, yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. I sh- I should consider that. There's definitely it's easier to start from yeah. the beginning now. Yeah. But yeah, but now we're at the end of this mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like Jericho and Mac finally kind of have this moment. They're, you know, it gets hot and spicy. And then of course, you know, Baluche shows up again. Yeah. Not done. We're not done with him or Malouche. I don't. Right. And so, so then Mac's very 
like this is my kill very yes. stay out of it I'm i will ask you if i need your help don't get involved and so he's like fine hurry up though <laughs> i don't have time to stand back here watching you showboat um so yeah, so they they also start kind of sparring and it's it's sort of the same same thing except no <laughs> no sexual component to this one. Right. It's not for And Matt. he's gushy. Yeah, right. he's gushy. <laughs> he's yeah. Got, she tries to like um hit him in the the gonads and there's no gonads there anymore. Mhm. Yeah. Ugh. It's kind of gross scene. Yeah. Lots of gushiness, but. Yeah. I mean, not gross because there's no gonads anymore, but no, just gross because there's gushiness everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, she's she's taking her sweet time because she's still high on her power and her, her you know, newfound strength. And Dark Mac um, is out. Dark Mac is visiting Dark this Mac one. is out. Yeah. yeah. She's enjoying the pain that she's inflicting. Um. But ultimately, she's taking too long. And yeah. so Baron's kind of swoops in and steals her thunder. Yep. And all of a sudden, he doesn't have a head anymore. Malouche. Bye-bye. Right. right. I, hello, goodbye. I don't have to figure out how to pronounce your name anymore because now you're dead for real. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then there is the moment with the amulet because he's wearing that amulet. He. It turns out he is the one oh, that slaughtered right. everyone. Um, and the old man yes. and took the amulet. And the yes. amulet only, we spoke about this, reacts if you're epic. And Maluche, Maluche, Jesus, come on. Anyways, he can't, like, he hasn't really, like, ignited it. And then Mac mm. touches it and it glows blue. And she's like, ha, huh, fucker, I am epic. So, <laughs> right. That's but a she big can't, component, too. Yeah, but this is still when she's chained up and she yeah. um, can't figure out how to she use it. She don't know what to, to do with her. it, but she yeah. knows she's epic now. <laughs> right. And so now going forward, Malouche is dead and Mac's like, oh shit, the amulet. So she goes to to grab that. Um and what's Bar Barons is doing something. He leaves for some reason, like to unspell the door so nobody knows they're there or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, to do with the wards. Yeah, but then while he's gone, uh Lord Master shows back up again and with his like he army. Mhm. Mm and he sees that she's got the amulet and he sees that the amulet is glowing and he files that away and says, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, and then he all of a sudden makes Mac stand up and hand the amulet over. <laughs> Which totally reminds me of coming to America when he's like, <laughs> hop on one foot and bark like a dog. <laughs> That's always what I think of with the voice. Well, it's funny you should mention that because they do happens have later, scenes, so it, yeah. You know, when that happened, I'm like, I wonder if that's where she got it from, too. Maybe. It could be. It could be. I never drew that uh, comparison. Anyhow, though. Yes. Anyhow, yeah. So he's able command to her. command her to do that. And then he's about to command her to, to leave with them. And all of a sudden, Barons comes shooting out of the shadows and has a little bit of a standoff with the Lord Master and says, no, she stays with me. She's with me. Yeah, and then they kind of assess each other for a moment, and Lord Master turns around and walks and out. Walks away. And then once again, what the fuck is Barons? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's somebody to make Lord Master stop in their tracks and say, okay. All right, see all right. you. Have a nice one. Yeah, not worth my time at this moment to be yeah. revisited later. Right. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that's, oh, well, that's not the end because, you know. We need the book. 
yeah, you get back to the bookstore and she cleans up, or maybe it's like a couple days later, she has called. Go ahead. Were you going to say something? I forgot. Um, one, They did discover one thing that Barons was not happy about. Um, after she had eaten mm. the rhino boys, her oop detecting senses were gone. Right. So she wasn't able to tell if an oop was nearby. Yeah, that makes him pretty furious. Yeah, because that's like what, I mean, from Mac, what we believe her whole purpose is for Barons is to be an oops detector, which now we're kind of second guessing that. But if she can't detect the oops, like what good is she? Yeah. And she also has to be afraid of her spear. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden she she's like, I don't want to be, yeah, I don't want to be Lucy Gushy. The comeback. <laughs> um, yeah. So she's, I think at this point, actually, when, when she, she had called Christian up and they're scheduled to, to meet to talk because she needs to, she needs to figure out how he plays into this whole thing. How does he know what she is? How did he know her sister? And so she is meeting him on a, well, what Barons teases her as a date. Right. And she oh, did. She got all like. jealous? She got a little, little, like, zhuzhed up for it. Like, she's right. like, I, I, it's nice to feel flirting, even though I was looking good. And I have my Arabian curls or whatever she calls them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, dating. so she's she's on her way to meet Christian. And all of a sudden, the book comes back. And she is in the gutter. In vomiting. the dirty Dublin gutter, vomiting and. She's not being pretty pink Mac. She's being dirty gutter Mac. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we end. We end with Mac in the gutter. Yeah. Yeah. She's either in a gutter or on a rooftop. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us for episode two. Um, we will be back next week with the third installment, Fay Fever. Fay Fever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. But I feel like the first or the like book two through four were like my favorite well book five well, and a, as that reviewer pointed out this was originally supposed to be a series of only five books right thank god it wasn't no yeah i would have been so sad we wouldn't have gotten the, all the riot in stuff like mm-hmm. yeah anyways so. yeah all right guys well thank you for joining oh i should note uh we do have an instagram now <laughs> so yes. we are at sexy scary book club I think it's just sexy scary book was the only ones that made it in there um so please follow us and let us know your thoughts anything that we've omitted that we should talk about or ideas for for future episodes um we also have the gmail account sexy scary podcast at gmail.com um and once we actually start posting the episodes, I'll have details about where to find episodes and all that stuff. But yes. for now, tune it's in. It's a journey that we're beginning. <laughs> right? <laughs>